Thus far in our series on the church, we have seen that the church is the family of God, the body of Christ, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the army of God. And today we will look at one of the most beautiful yet unfamiliar images of the church in all the scriptures. Unfamiliar perhaps to us, but not to everyone. It's the idea of the mother of all Christians. As we've done in other sermons, we will trace the ancient future story of the church as our mother. Not just our mother Eve or our mother Mary, although both of them are our mothers in the flesh and in the spirit. Today, we will trace the ancient future story of Mother Church according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we will hear, the prophets and the apostles and the fathers and the reformers all called the church our mother. They loved her and they held her in the highest regard. They honored their father and their mother, and so should we. But the question is, how? In order to honor our mother, we must find out who she is and where she lives, and what she expects from us. That starts with a simple, childlike question, one that we must learn to ask of anyone or of anything that poses as the church. And the question is simply this. Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Let's start with our sermon passage in Galatians 4 and then work our way out from there to other places. In Galatians 4, St. Paul uses maternal imagery to describe both his ministry to the church and to describe the church herself. For those who are able to receive it, we need to learn to think of ministers as an embodiment of the church or a microcosm of the church. In verse 19, Paul describes himself as a mother in labor. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Like a mother, Paul is deeply perplexed about his children in the faith. Some of his children are turning away from Christ and going back to dead idols. Some of his children are trying to mix Jewish religion and tradition in with the gospel. And that is why in verses 21 to 26, Paul makes a graphic distinction between the Jerusalem from below and the Jerusalem from above. From the old Jerusalem in Israel to the new Jerusalem in all the world, from the temporal Jerusalem enslaved under the law of Moses and the eternal Jerusalem set free in the gospel of Christ. He distinguishes between the carnal Jerusalem and spiritual Jerusalem. One is described as a slave woman, the other as a free princess. One is called a concubine, the other is called our mother. And the reason Mother Paul goes to all that trouble is because a group of teachers known as Judaizers 
were trying to infiltrate the church and influence baptized Christians to pervert the gospel and even to abandon their mother church. Like many well-meaning yet misguided Christians in our day, the church at Galatia entertained at least two different versions of the gospel. One version was a gospel of salvation by grace for non-Jewish people. The other version was a gospel of salvation by race for Jewish people. And the Judaizers were preaching that it's Jesus plus circumcision or Jesus plus Jewish traditions or Jesus plus kosher diets or Jesus plus Jewishness that makes up the good news that leads to salvation. But Mother Paul and Mother Church rejected all of that. She says, there is no such thing as salvation by race, class, or gender according to the gospel revealed by Jesus. She says, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Why? Because neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, neither being a Jew or not being a Jew counts for anything but only a new creation in Christ. As for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. And as we see that the new Jerusalem from above is our mother, so we see that the Israel of God is the church Catholic. Now, I want to be clear about something here, especially in light of current events. Our mother church is not anti-Semitic. She is pro-Jew. She is also pro-non-Jew. She loves Jews and she loves non-Jews. She herself has Jewish roots and Gentile fruit. She is composed of both Jews and non-Jews who have been baptized with water, born of the Spirit, and believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of all sinners, according to the gospel of God's grace. As Calvin put it in his commentary on this passage, the heavenly Jerusalem, which derives its origin from heaven and dwells above by faith, is the mother of believers. For she has the incorruptible seed of life deposited in her, by which she forms us, cherishes us in her womb, gives us birth, and brings us to light." She has the milk and the food by which she continually nourishes her offspring. This is why the church is called the mother of believers. For it is only through the ministry of our mother, the church, that the father begets sons for himself and brings them up until they pass through adolescence and reach manhood. Thus, Mother is a wonderful title of the highest honor for the church. 
As St. Paul says, the Jerusalem from above is free and she is our mother. She is the heavenly city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. She is the church of Christ. Now, where did Paul get the idea that the church is our mother? He got it from the spirit and the word of God. When God created the heavens and the earth in the beginning, he created man in his image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God put man in the garden to marry and live together, to become one flesh, to be fruitful and multiply, and to build a family. And so it was that Adam called his wife Eve because she was the mother of all the living according to the flesh. And as we see the story of the scripture unfold, this idea of mother takes on more and more significance. For example, the psalmist saying to the Lord God, you are the one who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth and from my mother's womb, you have been my God. This psalm is not only about David and his mother, nor was it only about Jesus and his mother Mary. This psalm is about us and our mother, the church. The father took us from her womb. She gave us birth and nurses us and cast us on the Lord. And that is why we can join the psalmist in praising God. For he formed our inward parts. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. We praise him for we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Wonderful are your works. Our souls know it very well. Again, as the story unfolds, mother takes on an even more spiritual significance. The prophet Ezekiel refers to the people of God as a mother that gives birth to sons and daughters. And the prophet Isaiah sees Zion as a barren woman who shall become a fruitful mother who nurses her children at her breasts and bounces them on her knee and carries them on her hip and raises them up in the Lord and comforts them in times of grief. As the story unfolds even more, the Apostle John saw a vision of the fulfillment of the oldest promise in the history of the world. For God promised to Eve that he would send a savior to crush the serpent's head. And the Apostle John saw a vision of the fulfillment of that promise. The seed of the woman coming into the world to crush the serpent's head. This is what he saw in Revelation 12. The dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, the dragon might devour it. She gave birth to a male child who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The dragon pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child 
But the woman was given two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly away from the serpent into the wilderness. And then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. This is the mother of all visions. Why? Because in this vision, we see that the beautiful and faithful and grateful and fruitful and graceful woman was not only Mary, the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also a vision of the church, the mother of all those who follow Jesus. Jesus himself said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then stretching out his hands to people much like us, he said, these are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. Why? Because everyone who does the will of the father is my sister and my brother and my mother. Now, the apostles and prophets were not the only ones to call the church our mother. The fathers who came after the apostles also called the church our mother according to apostolic tradition. And here again, we see that as the story unfolds a bit more, mother takes on an even more sacramental significance. St. Cyprian, a bishop who wrote on the unity of the church Catholic in the third century, said... The church cannot be defiled. She is inviolate and chaste. She knows but one home, and with a chaste modesty, she guards the sanctity of one bedchamber. It is she that keeps us for God, she that seals for the kingdom of God, the sons whom she bore. Whoever is separated from the church and joined to an adulteress is separated from the promises of the church. Nor will he that forsakes the church of Christ attain to the rewards of Christ. He is an alien, a worldly man, and an enemy. No one can have God for his father who does not have the church as his mother. No one can have God for his father who does not have the church as his mother. There is an inscription written on a baptistry in a church in Rome that comes from the late 4th century. And in the late 4th century, this baptistry was decorated and inscribed with these words. Here is born a people of noble race, destined for heaven, whom the Spirit brings forth in the waters he has made fruitful. Mother Church conceives her offspring by the breath of God and bears them virginally in this water. Mother Church conceives her offspring by the breath of God and bears them in this water. St. Augustine, a bishop in North Africa in the early 5th century, wrote this in his commentary on Psalm 88. Let us love the Lord our God. Let us love his church. Him as father, her as mother. 
for we are her children. No one offends the one and gains the favor of the other. Why does it profit you, or what does it profit you to bless the Father if you blaspheme his church? Cling then, beloved, cling all with one mind to God our Father and to the church our mother. Well, like the apostles, the prophets, and the fathers before them, the reformers called the church our mother as well, according to the great tradition. John Calvin, a reformational pastor in Geneva in the 16th century, had this to say about the church in his Institutes of the Christian Religion. As it is now our purpose to discourse on the visible church, let us learn from her single title of mother, how useful, nay, how necessary the knowledge of her is, since there is no other means of entering life unless she conceives us in the womb and unless she gives us birth, unless she nourishes us at her breasts, unless she keeps us under her charge and government until divested of mortal flesh, we become like the angels. And for those of you who might feel that I've simply stacked the deck one way in favor of the great tradition, I urge you with all your heart to hear what the prince of preachers, Charles Spurgeon, had to say about this matter. Ah, but the church of Christ is a true mother even when she is not continually using that name, yet is she a tender and affectionate nursing mother to all her offspring. I shall begin here very briefly to speak about this mother. The church is a mother because it is her privilege to bring forth into the world spiritual children for the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally, to round out all of these quotes on Mother Church, we come to the 21st century to none other than Jorge Mario Bergoglio, also known as Pope Francis, who said 10 years ago, the church is truly the mother of all Christians. The church, like a good mother, accompanies our development by transmitting to us the word of God which is a light that directs the path of Christian life. She administers the sacraments to cleanse us and feed us and heal us. The church accompanies us throughout our entire life of faith, throughout the whole of our Christian life. He ain't wrong. All truth is God's truth. As we can see, the prophets and the apostles the fathers and the reformers and beyond all call the church our mother. But what are we to do with this new to us revelation? It might take us a while to chew on it, to digest it, to process it, to get our hearts around it. Depending on your experience with your own mother, and or your experience with the church, it might feel very strange to see the mother, church, as your mother. 
especially if you and your mother don't have a good relationship or if you never knew your mother or if your mother was absent or abusive or even if your mother has passed on. Try to keep in mind that when the Holy Spirit called the church our mother, he was not referring to that kind of mother. He was referring to the ideal mother. He envisioned the best kind of mother, the mother that exceeds your wildest dreams and transcends your imagination. The Spirit had in mind a mother much like the woman we see in Proverbs 31. A mother who rises while it is yet night and provides good things for her family. A mother who considers a field and buys it and with the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. A mother who dresses herself with strength and keeps the light on for you even when it gets dark so you can find your way home. A mother who opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. A mother who is not afraid for her children because they are clothed in the Lord Jesus Christ and washed in the blood of the Lamb. A mother who herself is dressed in fine linen and purple with strength and dignity. A mother who laughs at the future and opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. A mother whose own works praise her in the gates. A mother whose husband and children rise up and call her blessed. A mother who knows that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. That's what the Spirit meant by the church is our mother. Now, you might know all this in your head. You might get the information in your head. But the real question is, do you feel it in your heart? I want to tell you something that's sad but true. Most people I know, including many Christians I know, including myself at times, feel like a motherless child when it comes to our relationship to the church. The reasons vary from person to person. There might have been relational conflict. There might be theological disputes. There might be liturgical preferences. On and on we could go. But if you boil it all down, I think it comes down to a couple of things that are consistent across the board. Either we've not been shown or taught that the church is our mother, or the churches we've attended have not acted like our mother or treated us like her children. If we feel like motherless children, it might be due to the fact that so many churches in our time don't even want to be a mother. Many are little more than wannabe concert venues. 
activity centers, networking hives, or social clubs, whatever else they might aspire to be, whatever their vision is, a nurturing mother is not on the list. At best, they are like sweet babysitters or caretakers hired by someone to keep you safe for a couple of hours a week. Activity directors to entertain you. Occupational therapists to keep you busy and moving. At worst, they're like adolescent mean girls that bully and backstab all the weaklings and weirdos like you and me. Whatever else they might want to be, they are not interested in being a mother who conceives you in her womb, gives you birth, and feeds you body and soul, and sustains your life, teaches you and disciplines you, and offers spiritual counsel and soul care, and prepares you for life and mission in the real world. It is no wonder that so many people we know and love and so many that we do not yet know are spiritual orphans and motherless children in our communities. Many have left a motherless religion in search of God knows what and they are spiritually homeless. They need a mother very, very badly. So do you. So do I. Some of us are like the baby bird in P.D. Eastman's popular book. We looked up one day. And we didn't see our mother. It made us nervous. We got antsy. We freaked out and started looking for her. And the first thing we did was fall down, down, down. And it was a long way down. We set out to find our mother, but we didn't even know who we were looking for. We didn't know what she looked like. We only knew that we needed her. And everywhere we've gone, every congregation we've attended, Every place we've served, every denomination we've explored or joined, our hearts have ached with the same question. Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Are you my mother? Those of you who have survived church scandals, 
church splits. Those of you who have experienced church closures, church controversies, those of you who have suffered church disillusions and church divisions, and those of you who have experienced some other form of church trauma might even find yourselves wondering from time to time if you even have a mother. You likely feel disoriented or displaced. You might even feel like crying, where am I? I want to go home. I want my mother. And if any of that describes any of you at all, I want you to know you're not alone. And I also want you to know that I have some good news for you. If you want to go home, if you want to find your mother, you need to go back to the tree. Go back to the cross and open your heart and listen and you will find what you are looking for. And here's why. Because if you go back to the tree and listen with your heart, you will hear your Savior say, Behold, your mother. And your mother will welcome you into the family of God. And she will take care of the body of Christ from womb to tomb. She delights in worshiping God as the temple of the Holy Spirit. She will gladly prepare you as a bride adorned for your wedding day. She will raise you up to fight the good fight of the faith. She will show you how to slay dragons and kill giants and even crush Satan under your feet. Why? Because the Jerusalem from above is free and she is our mother. And let me say to you as a mother in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, Come home. Come back to your mother. Come back to the church with all your heart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, gracious Father, we pray for our mother, your holy church Catholic. Fill her with all truth, in all truth, with all peace. Where she is corrupt, purify her. Where she is in error, correct her. 
Where in anything she is amiss, reform her. Where she is right, strengthen her. Where she is in need, provide for her. Where she is divided, reunite her. For the sake of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen.